Hello and welcome back to Franklin Covey's On Leadership Podcast, the world's largest weekly podcast dedicated to all things leadership. My name is Scott Miller and I'm honored to serve as your ongoing host and interviewer each week. I'm also the author of a new book for Franklin Covey published by HarperCollins called Master Mentors, 30 Transformative Insights from Our Greatest Minds, drawn from 30 of the most interesting interviews from Franklin Covey's weekly podcast. With their permission, I write a fast and pithy, kind of thoughtful insight around something one of our 30 most interesting podcast guests has shared. You're welcome to pick up a copy now in both print, audio, digital, and soon-to-be video format. And I'm just now writing Master Mentors Volume 2 that will feature 30 new guests and 30 new transformative insights coming out in the fall of 2022. Now, our guest today, and I say guest as in plural, two guests are two of Franklin Covey's most renowned thought leaders on all things sales, sales performance, sales management, sales productivity. And you know the adage, all of us are in sales, whether we think we are or not. I think it was Daniel Pink that wrote a book called To Sell is to Be Human, or To Be Human is to Sell, one of those two. And I'm delighted today to welcome Jennifer Colosimo and Scott Savage to our podcast to talk about their newest release, Strikingly Different Selling, Six Vital Skills to Stand Out and Sell More. Jen and Scott, welcome to On Leadership. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for having us. Great to be on. Delighted to have two guests because it always makes for such an interesting conversation. We're going to spend some time talking about this new release out this week from Franklin Covey, Strikingly Different Selling, a very easy, practical, uber-relatable read for anybody who finds themselves in sales, which of course we know is everyone, but primarily perhaps those individuals working as entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, intrapreneurs, or inside of their organization, they have a sales quota. They quote, carry a bag. That is a term many of us use. Before we get into the book and the insights, let's take a moment to have each of you reintroduce yourself. Jennifer Colosimo, you are a 26 plus year veteran of the Franklin Covey Company. You serve as the president of our enterprise division, otherwise known as you're responsible for pretty much every dollar that comes in worldwide for Franklin Covey. Our entire worldwide sales force reports to you outside of our education division. Jen, you have the distinct honor of being one of the very few people in the world that have co-authored a book with our late co-founder, Dr. Stephen R. Covey. Jen, could you take a few moments and walk us through your professional journey, including what is your responsibility here beyond being an author at Franklin Covey? Of course, Scott. Thank you. Uh, you know, I started my career out of graduate school with one of the big four consulting organizations, with what was then Anderson Consulting, now Accenture, and uh, have spent my entire career either working with clients, helping them do something related to behavior change and performance, change management, building trust in their organization. And part of my career, I've been internal in an organization where, as you mentioned, I was an entrepreneur looking at how we could influence culture and behavior within that organization. So my entire career has been on how do you present your ideas in a way that people can latch on. They can see what's in it for me. You've created excitement, you've created attention. 
and then how to effectively dialogue with others. We all know you can't really change things by dictating. You can, you can carry a really big stick or a really nice carrot, but true change comes from the inside out. So how do you create that excitement, get attention, and then dialogue and co-create in order to get what an organization needs? Scott Savage, you joined Jen Colosimo as a co-author on the book with our Franklin Covey partners and thought leaders, Dale Merrill and Randy Illig. Scott, give us an introduction to your history and the role you play here as an executive advisor on all things sales for Franklin Covey. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about Jen's journey and uh, I was thinking about it on my own. I started selling greeting cards as a 12-year-old. <laughs> You know, I I wanted to earn some money and uh, I, I somehow found it in a magazine and ordered them and went about and was not very successful. <laughs> but I soon picked up a paper route. Next thing I know, I was selling um, as a college student door to door educational products. And just an interesting thing for me because I love helping people. And I think that that's at the heart and soul of great selling. And um, I eventually joined a couple smaller organizations and uh, found myself here at Franklin Covey after about 15 years of sales and uh, just loved it. Uh, in the early days with Stephen Covey and team and helping to grow the Franklin Covey business and uh, eventually went from there into more of a consulting role out with clients, working mainly with executive teams. And uh, then eventually, uh, we started a sales practice and started working with some of the larger technology, consulting, and other concerns out there in the world. I, I today spend, well, pre-pandemic, uh, spent about a third of my time in Europe and the Middle East, a third in Asia, and a third here in North America, out with clients day-to-day, -day, helping them uh, advance opportunities and hopefully win more. Ahead, I don't think it was fair that he got to list all his jobs. I mean, I did work at Taco Time and at a Mexican restaurant and in retail and in a health maintenance organization. So anyway, I worked, too, when I was young. It's just I started with the professional ones. Que bueno. Muchas gracias, Jennifer. Thank, Thank you for that. And your love of all Mexican um, culinary mm -hmm. items. Scott, in many ways, this book is a labor of love. You and your three co-authors have been writing this for the better part of five years. You yourself are responsible for consulting with many executive-level clients on Franklin Covey's suite of sales and sales performance solutions. Would you maybe give us a recap of what is the big idea behind this book, Strikingly Different Selling? Absolutely. Uh, you know, this has uh, been an interesting journey because... It feels like, and maybe most authors do this, you feel like at the end, you've probably written four or five books, not just one. And it's less about, don't you have the big idea? It's more about the changing environment and making it applicable. In the last five years, think about this world and all the change that's happened, particularly in selling. In 2022 now, we're in a hybrid mode. We're selling mainly online, as we have throughout the past uh, 22, 23 months. And yet there's starting to be a bit of a hybrid situation here. And so we constantly pushed ourselves to be as relevant as we could to make it simple. And here's the idea. 
How can we stand out so that we can sell more? It's interesting. We did research with primary intelligence and we studied 14,500 decision-making meetings and uh, processes of clients of opportunities that range from 100,000 to several million. And it was found that 42% of the time, the decision makers could not tell the difference between the different vendors. Can you imagine that? 42% of the time, it's become more and more challenging for people to stand out. And so what we did is we started to work with clients across the globe. Uh, We had the opportunity to participate in nearly 1,700 client meetings. Uh, Some of them live, others were simulations with uh, either uh, clients that our uh, clients actually had or recently returned executives, uh, retired executives. And what we did is we followed the process from beginning of the sales process to the end. And we wanted to see what do some of the top companies and top sellers do? And as a result, uh, the findings that we have here in the book came from those interviews, those discussions. And what happened was we'd interview the sellers after the meeting was over, all the way through the sales cycle. And they would typically say, I thought that was a good meeting. (laughs) No one was expecting a perfect meeting, but I thought it was good. We had a great interaction. I think they like our value proposition or, you know, our solution. And then we turn to the the client and say, what did you think about that meeting? And they would say, actually, it wasn't a good use of my time. Now, this was (laughs) this was pretty shocking to us because those were good meetings. These we had twenty eight hundred sales executives from some of the best companies in the world. And they're good, they're very good. And yet what we found was the customers and clients were saying, it just didn't work for me. It didn't give me the value I needed. I clearly think that the salespeople got the value, but did I get the value? And so this book helps us to move, not just to being client-centric, but actually turning the table and understanding what do our customers and clients really want and need in meetings and proposals so that they can make better decisions. How do we move from that 43%, 42% that we don't know what's going on and they can't decide to how do we stand out? And so these six vital skills help us to do that very thing. Scott, thank you. Uh, Jen, over to you. And I, when I introduced you, I mentioned you are the president of Franklin Covey's Enterprise Division. You have stewardship for all of our sales worldwide on our non-education side, uh, hundreds ultimately of client partners and sales professionals that report up to you. Um, and we've seen a sea change, have we not, in how sales works. You know, for decades, we often sold, we being the collective salesperson, sold against our competition. We knew all of their weaknesses and strengths, and there was a bit of a differentiation between what they did poorly and perhaps what our product or service did well. Again, our meaning anyone's. But that's changed, hasn't it? Clients don't necessarily want to hear how you're different in terms of how your competition is poor and how you are better. When you talk about the role that differentiation plays, Jen, in the sales process, what is it you mean inside of this book? Clients and customers, they make decisions 
based on the differences. So as you mentioned, we used to present those those differences as ex-competitor, whatever industry you're in, this is what we do differently. And of course, sometimes you still need to make that differentiation. Here's the challenge. With the proliferation of information, with the level of data analysis, data analytics we can get, in many industries, many sellers, their websites, their messaging, what they say, what they write, what they put on the web, it sounds all exactly the same. It sounds the same. Try it. Go look at your competitors and see how different you really are when you look at everything you can research. What we're talking about in this book is I consider communication skills, regardless of whether you're in sales or not, but really critical for sales. How do you clearly and concisely create excitement, create interest in a way that is relevant to the client? So, I mean, we have a lot of information at our hands. We can look up um, earnings reports for public companies. We can research the web. We can look at what's said on Glassdoor. We can read all about them. And when we're first prospecting, at least guess what might be interesting to them based on what you read about their challenges and their opportunities. So how do you really clearly do that without being filled with jargon? Um, many, as Scott mentioned in our work as we studied this, the buyer would come out and say they just used a lot of their jargony words and talked about themselves. It seems like they didn't even research me. I've had that experience as a buyer myself. So. How do you first create that interest in a compelling way so that you're relevant, you're distinct, and it's memorable? We call that RDM. And then second, how do you co-create? You've heard me say this before, but I think the key skill from being a salesperson or really anyone in a career is to be curious to know how to listen and pause your brain and actually get to understanding about what the other is saying and to co-create versus being filled with fear. Maybe they object to something and I just tense up. But being that curious way of, can we create something here that actually solves a problem for you or maximizes an opportunity? So we, the entire book is focused on first, how do you create interest? How do you differentiate? How do you create excitement? And then the second, the last two skills on how do you co-create and validate that together? What I consider great, what we call advocacy and inquiry, but great presentation, writing, and listening skills. So Scott, let's take what Jen said and get practical. Uh, our two-time guest on leadership is Donald Miller, the, re the renowned you know, marketing expert. And he calls most people's messaging like a cat chasing a rat in a wind chime factory. You kind of can't figure out where you are and it all kind of sounds similar and chaotic. You know, you talk a lot about uh, differentiation in the book for salespeople. What are some of the actual illustrations and visuals and tips you give the reader on how they can do just that, how they can differentiate and actually make sure that the client understands, pays attention to their message versus someone else's? I think one of the core outcomes is is a filter that we use that Jen just mentioned. We call it RDM, meaning relevant, distinct, and memorable. 
using that filter as we look at any opportunity, whether it's in the early stage of a sales cycle, mid-stage, or even towards the end as we're trying to win the work. So our means, are we relevant? Are we focused on what matters most to the, to the client? Uh, D stands for distinct. Is it distinct? And we like to use good from and to formats. It's classic. You see it in social media. You see it everywhere. Where did we start from? Where could we end? And the distinction, as Jen said, is less about are we different or even radically different. It's are we focused on a distinction or a difference that matters to the client? In other words, how do we create uh, an environment where working together in our products and services, how do we come together with that client and make them different and better? It's less about, as Jen said, the competition more about bringing distinctions about moving them from where they are to where they could be. And then M meaning memorable, which is really simply sticky, easy to remember and hard to forget. So how do we use that frame of RDM all the way through the sales cycle so that we are focused on the client, focused on what will make them different and better and put it in a way that they not only will remember, but will be able to make a choice from so that we can stand out and sell more. Scott, if I'm not mistaken, uh, your and your co-authors interest in movie trailers and billboards was kind of a genesis to get you interested in this differentiation. How, uh, uh, tease that together for me. How what are the correlations, if you will, between your, your passion and interest in how a movie trailer and a billboard captures attention, and how does that apply to the six skills? Well, it, it's a, a little bit of a story. It came from several meetings where we would be with some of these top executives, and they're meeting with a client, and the meeting would end, and the executive would be so frustrated because... Although the meeting, again, they typically went well. It wasn't like they were throwing them out of the office, but they just didn't get the, the clients weren't getting the value they needed. And I remembered one of the feedback from one of the top executives said, I wish you could have just billboarded this. And it was a breakthrough, it was just a breakthrough to hear what is your main message? Can you sum it up? And it was astonishing to us how frequently you know, it was that people couldn't sum up their main points, whether at the beginning of a meeting or at the end, the beginning of the sales cycle or the end. It was really interesting and that idea just flashed in front of us. We thought, wow, what if you could create verbal billboards that captured attention? And could we use that in our proposals? Could we use it in meetings to be really crystal clear of where we're helping a client move from and to? Then what we did is we, we, we saw as people were struggling to try to share those pieces of value and that value proposition, we started realizing, well, you know, the film industry really has this nailed. They've, they do it every time whenever they release a film. They capture attention, they create interest, and they have a call to action. And uh, it's so effective. We thought, well, why don't we adopt that? How do we take that billboard or the main message and how do we create it into something that would create excitement? I, I was working with a team the other day and they used that very metaphor at the beginning of one of their proposals in oral presentations. They simply help the client understand, 
Here's what we're going to help you do, their main message, and then show three ways that working with them would move them from where they are today to where they needed to go. And that became the whole thesis to their presentation, their proposal. And so this idea, Scott, as you were mentioning, really came from work with uh, our clients to try to figure out how do we make this easier for people so they can sum it up, they can capture attention and really create the excitement that we need. And so we borrow those metaphors and they've really made it easier for people to get from A to B and get deals, not only one, but to stand out. Thank you, Scott. Jen, I think you probably represent the profile of a lot of our listeners that have responsibility for a sales force. Might be eight people, might be 80. In your case, you have several hundred people from around the world that report up to and through you through various levels of sales leadership. Jen, as you think about uh, that cross-section of sales performers inside your uh, organization here at Franklin Covey, those who are using this methodology, of course, not everyone is, because not everyone's going to adopt everything that their sales training you know, teaches them. What differentiates the producers that understand how to clarify their message, how to differentiate, how to accelerate um, a win? What are they practically doing differently in a client meeting, whether it's actually at lunch with a client or on a video call or in person at a client's organization? What does it look like and feel like and sound like differently when a sales producer, a sales performer is implementing these skills versus someone who's not? So Scott, this book and, and what we're talking about in these skills is written from the buyer's perspective. We've said that several times, as Scott mentioned. The thing about that is, is if you're the seller, it requires significantly more work on your end to be relevant, distinct, and memorable. And let me share how I can, what those skills look like. You can go to sales training and you can learn all of the features of what you sell, all of the benefits. You can also get very enamored of your company. We, Franklin Covey, we have 160 locations and you know you can go through all the statistics and we have this many client engagements and we do these things and we've been around for 30 years. You, you can get very enamored and those are all true and I'm proud of them. The difference between a great salesperson is they have thought about, okay, this client won these awards or I see the possibility of this problem when I read about them and my solution might just be able to help. So I'm framing what I know about what I can offer in their context in a billboard. And I'm really working on it being clear and concise and it not taking 20 minutes to get to the point. Especially when you're prospecting, you don't have 20 minutes. In fact, the best salespeople have thought of some potential billboards that work with a lot of different clients in a particular industry. So they're selling to healthcare and they know when you're talking to this particular role in this particular healthcare component, here's some of the things that they might be interested in. This is what's big in the industry. And as you progress in the sales cycle, they're listening for those words. I go on quite a few sales calls. And one of the things that always just sparks me, and I think, why, why, is a client will name something. They'll use a word that they use in their organization. Let's say they call everybody in their organization team members. 
And the salesperson will continue to say employees, associates, anything but team members. And in my mind, I'm thinking, look, use their words. They shouldn't have to make the logical leap between what you're presenting and you should be making the leap. You do the work so that you're creating the conditions for them to make the right choice to move forward. But if you're not doing the work to create the conditions, you're not clear and concise, you're not using their words, you're not pausing when they have a question and actually acknowledging that, um, listening, being able to clarify in a way that you can move forward, then you're just another on the street hawking things. Scott, beyond what Jen just said, uh, what are some of the big mistakes that well-intended and even competent sales professionals make that you believe readers of this book can get fixed or solved? I mean, you're, you're a very seasoned sales professional. That's not, a, that's not a, um, uh, an indictment on your age, but on your experience and your expertise. Beyond what Jen said, you know, using the words that your client uses and finding out what is their circumstance, their situation, what are some of the pitfalls that you know, well-intended salespeople make that you think reading this book can literally overnight perhaps transition into a new competency? Well, let's take one that uh, you see all the time in interactions with clients. And again, it's across the sales cycle, whether it's in an early stage where you're just getting to know a, a client and they're getting to know you, or, you know, you're co-developing a solution or maybe presenting it. One of the things we've noticed is, is that top sales executives who come in well-prepared actually find their first few minutes to be pretty weak. And that's a little bit surprising because you're trying to judge, do we build relationship? Do I share thought leadership? You know, what do we do in those first few minutes? And, and how do we start fast? And as we look at that, we found so many of them didn't. It wasn't that it was a failure, but it just kind of meandered there. And so it takes preparation, it takes practice, and as Jen said, it takes thoughtful uh, thinking about, so who's going to be in this meeting? The end in mind of every client interaction is to enable a decision. So we really want to start fast so that we can end big. And so as we looked at this, it was fascinating. After several hundred times and several hundred meetings, I remember pulling some executives aside and saying, you, you constantly talk about why we're not getting faster at the beginning of a meeting, what do you want? And they said, I don't mind thought leadership. In fact, I want value. I want to understand why are we meeting and what are we trying to get out of this? But they go on too long. And I said, tell us more about that. And they said, are you, are you objecting to some thought leadership or a perspective or a point of view? No, no, not at all. I just want them to get it done in like three or four minutes. I don't want them opening a PowerPoint and you know, jumping in for 10 minutes. Give me something to think about. Get us off to a good start. Give me value in three or four minutes and then engage me. Let's have a conversation instead of a presentation. Let's, let's dialogue together. And so whether we're at the early stage of a cell cycle or we're at the end, how can we start fast by being relevant, distinct, and memorable? I think that that's one of the big mistakes that people make. And then how do we crescendo that, you know, how do we move this meeting where there's value, not only for us, but for them? You know, so if, if a client meets with us to decide something, not just know something, 
It's less about content and more about the value exchange. So we're going to have to share knowledge with each other, ask good questions, really be insightful. But the end game is what? Enable a good decision for wherever they are in the sales process or the buying process. So how do we do that? It takes careful planning, but it also takes a sensitivity to what kind of value exchange are we really having? Is the client getting the value that they need? How can we enable a good decision out of this meeting? Scott, beautifully said. Jen, I want to finish our conversation with uh, the target market for the book. Franklin Covey has a course based on this book, and uh, our own associates attend that course because we try to practice what we preach. You know, for many years, when I was leading marketing here at Franklin Covey and now the thought leadership team, one of my many mantras was highest value information in fewest number of words. Like Scott said, you know, I've got a tight schedule. I want to get to the point as fast as possible. Jim, we also know that every author thinks their book is for everyone. In fact, if I actually can see members of my team reading this book, even though they're not technically responsible for a sales number, uh, when you think about the smallest viable market, to quote Seth Godin, our friend and um, mm -hmm. colleague who's made an appearance here, who do you think is the sweet spot for both reading this book? Who should be buying this book for their teams and perhaps having an in-house book club around learning these six vital skills? What's their title? I think anybody who is a individual contributor is a huge, this is where uh, our, our consultants, where we do most of our work is, and they're often very, very far and advanced in their careers. Again, I don't mean age. I just mean they've had the opportunity to sell. So it's not, you could do brand new sales in your career, obviously extremely helpful there to build the, the right habits. Also great for seasoned, maybe to tweak what they're doing or actually have a brand new mindset and skill set around how to improve their ability to close business. And frankly, we do quite a bit of work with sales managers so that you can coach effectively, right? If you're a great sales manager, you're not going in and closing every single engagement. You're coaching people to build their skill set. So to have the tool set to be able to coach and say, I don't think that message is refined enough. We have a section in the book on selling live online, being able to give feedback about how to engage clients live online. There's a whole component that you can coach to. So I honestly, I'm not saying everyone, although just like I said at the beginning, this is helpful if you're communicating an internal message that you're trying to sell or sell your project internally key audience is everyone from new in your career to seasoned in your sales career to sales management and leadership. Jenna and Scott, I think it was your co-author in this book, Randy Illig, that once said on this podcast something kind of profound. I think he said, you know, most people will tell you they have a 30-year career when in fact they often have one-year experience repeated 29 times. I think it's insightful for all of us to figure out, you know, how do we disrupt our patterns, our, our, our skills, our brands? And strikingly different selling is a great way to perhaps launch your new 2022 as an individual contributor, as a sales producer, a sales leader, or perhaps someone, Jen, at your level, or Scott, those that you coach at the executive level that are looking at transforming how do they differentiate the skills and your product, your service, from that of your competition by allowing your sales force and those who are client-facing to 
condense and talk in a way that truly differentiates and accelerates a client's ability to choose your product or service over that of your competition. Jen and Scott, thank you for joining us for On Leadership. Look forward to the launch of your book, Strikingly Different Selling Six Vital Skills to Stand Out and Sell More. Jen, look forward to having you back. Scott, thank you for your appearance on On Leadership today. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. And look forward to having you back next week for a new conversation on leadership. Mm -hmm.